0: So while you turn to Hebrews 11, you guys want to play a little bit of trivia? Anybody up for a little trivia? All right, cool. Why not? I don't care if you don't want to. We're doing it anyway. In 1989... There was a hit movie that I remember, I think I was 12, 13 years old at the time. And I I remember this movie clearly. It swept the nation by storm. The the catchphrase was on every commercial it seemed like all the time. And the the story was about this guy who built a baseball field. And and this guy didn't know anything about building baseball fields. He didn't know how he was gonna pay for the baseball field. He didn't know what was gonna come of this baseball field once it was built. But the, the gist of this story is he hears a voice telling him to build the baseball field and he believes this voice he trusts this voice and so he steps out and he believes and he does what the voice tells him to do he he builds a baseball field he trusts the voice does anybody remember the name of that movie shout it out what is it field of dreams. That's right. Now, you may not remember every detail about the field of dreams, but if you remember anything at all about the field of dreams, you remember the catchphrase to this movie, okay? So if you remember the catchphrase to field of dreams, how about you just shout that out right now? What's the catchphrase to field of dreams? What is it? If you build it, they will come. Remember, James Earl Jones ends the movies with that, with that great sort of speech, oh, Ray, they will build it. Uh, that sounds more like Sean Connery than, than James Earl. Wow. That was like Peter Brady trying to do James Earl Jones. Sorry. Anyhow, if you build it, they will come. Now, now that, that phrase has been kind of bouncing around in my head for a while, especially this last week. As many of you know, we have a building team that has been working really diligently for nearly two whole years establishing a, pa- a plan based on what they believe that God has called them to address for us as a church family to address as it concerns the facilities of our church. The plan includes building a new secure children's ministry area that will actually be a part of this building here. Uh, it also includes expanding the common areas of our church so that we can give better accessibility. People can readily get in and out of our buildings, have accessible access to things like wheelchair ramps and handicapped bathrooms that will be available all the way through the expanded area, a new elevator. Actually, we don't even have an old elevator, so just an elevator, period. It also includes addressing issues in this room, acoustic issues we've had, replacing 30-year-old carpet and pews that are made out of particle board that are falling apart in some places. And to Tonight at 530 in this room, the building team with the support of our trustees will actually be updating us on the process that God has led them in, especially over the last six months. And they're going to share with us the plan as it stands today. And they're going to share what God has done in their hearts. And I trust he wants us to follow as we continue moving forward in this. Just to let you know, they'll be here about 20 minutes early. So if you want to come and take a look at pictures and ask them questions, they'll be available for that. They'll be around after the meeting as well to answer as many questions as they possibly can. So church, I want to encourage you, be here tonight, 5.30. Next week, there's going to be a church-wide vote for us to secure a construction loan so that we can actually immediately begin executing the plan that God has laid on their hearts. And that kind of brings me back to the field of dreams. And here's why. I believe that movie is illustrating something very important for us as a church, But probably not what you think. You see, I'm not talking about the if you build it, they will come nonsense. (laughs) Because even though I believe that the improvements to our facilities are really important for us as stewards of what God has given to us, I do not, and you need to hear this, I do not believe the buildings are God's primary strategy for building His church. The important illustration for us from Field of Dreams is not, if we build it, they will come. The illustration is the role that faith will play as we step into what God has for us. I am convinced that this season in the life of our church and in your life as an individual isn't about building something, it's about believing something. Even more, it's about believing someone, believing God. And it's about stepping out in radical faith, unprecedented steps into what God has for you, what God has for us, what God has for this community. And I believe it includes doing things that can only be explained through the eyes of faith and not our own understanding. And so the lesson isn't if we build it, they will come. The lesson is, will we hear the voice of God and believe him? Will we step out into something that can't be answered by human reasoning, into something God has for us. So Hebrews 11 is an appropriate passage of Scripture for where we are today. Look at Hebrews 11. I think your worship guide says something like verses 1 through 11 or 13, something like that, right? I'm going to be able to do three verses, okay? Maybe, maybe. So we're going to go verses 6 through 8. Look at Hebrews 11, 6 through 8. And I'm going to start reading verse six. And without faith, it is, what's that word? Impossible to please him. Do you know him? Who's him? God. So without faith, it is impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. This is the word of God for us this morning. Let's pray that God would bless our study of his word, okay? Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say in your word. Lord, I pray that you would open us, Father, to to actually take steps that won't make sense except for the fact there is a God and he's good and strong and he rewards those who seek him. So Lord, I ask that as we go forward, not only in this message, but in our lives and in the life of this church, that we would be marked by the kind of faith we just read about in your word. Lord, I pray for all of those churches in this community that, Father, you are using to build the faith of your people, that they would know and love and live and proclaim the one and only gospel of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we give this all to your care. We ask you to do what none of us can do in it. We pray it all in Jesus' name, and all of God's people say, "Amen, Amen." So Hebrews eleven is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, and I've got to tell you, it's a it's a passage of Scripture that reminds us as followers of Jesus that it all comes down to faith. Faith isn't the beginning of the Christian life; faith is the Christian life. It all boils down to faith, and in those three verses that we just read. I'm not going to be able to teach everything that's housed in those verses, but there are four things about faith that I want all of us to know as we leave this place today. So I'm just going to pull out four different things that we see about faith that are are taught to us in this passage of Scripture. Here's the very first thing. Faith pleases God. Look at verse 6 again. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Faith pleases God and anything that doesn't come from faith doesn't please God. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 14 verse 23 says whatever does not proceed from faith is actually sin. We are being called to please God and the only way to please God, if you desire to be pleasing to God at all, you need to know the only thing that will please God is faith in Jesus Christ. The word faith is in a sense synonymous with belief or trust. Faith is depending on trusting in, believing someone or something. So, for instance, that's why we would say to someone who betrays us or lets us down, we might say something about how crushed we are because we had faith in them. We believed them. So we trusted them. And when they betrayed us, it broke our faith in them. Faith, trust, believe, they all go together with the the biblical definition of what faith is that pleases God. And if you know Anything about the book of Hebrews? What you know is that Hebrews is calling us over and over and over to have faith in Jesus. We're being called to depend on Him over and over and over again. Just just think about, for instance, one of the reasons why the Bible and the book of Hebrews would call us to to have faith in God because it pleases Him. So, so think why does why does faith please God? As I, as I thought about that, um, I realized that one of the re- main reasons why faith pleases God is because faith says something about God. Faith is our declaration about God. Here's the illustration that I thought of. Since I'm so deep and theologically uh, uh, sound, here's here's the illustration I thought of. Let's imagine that you're talking with one of your friends about two people from your work, and let's call those people Tom and Jerry, okay? So Tom and Jerry. So you're talking with one of your friends about your co-workers, Tom and Jerry. You might say something like this about Tom. Tom is Always trying new things. I mean, he's resourceful. He's consistent. He works really hard. No matter how many times Acme lets him down, he just keeps on coming back to the drawing board. You got to give it up, Tom. Tom never gives up. And Jerry, Jerry is fun. I mean, he's a little more relaxed than Tom. He seems to just kind of take life as it comes. He's smart. He's always a step ahead of the competition. I mean, he loves cheese. Everybody knows that about Tom. And, and I'm sorry, guy. I'm getting this mixed up. You might even say, hey, Jerry's actually a lot shorter than Tom. There's a lot of competition around the workplace, but I got to give it up, man. Jerry doesn't let any of that bother him. He just keeps on going. He keeps on coming back to the table. Okay, so maybe I'm a little bit too into Tom and Jerry, but I really do love Tom and Jerry. But as you think about what you just said about Tom and what you just said about Jerry, you haven't said anything bad about them, right? Right? I didn't say anything bad about Tom. I didn't say anything bad about Jerry. I've said a lot of really good things about both of them. But imagine that in your conversation about Tom and Jerry, your friend says, hey, tell me about which one of those guys you trust. Like you work with them. I mean, if you had to leave your job for a week and you had to lay off all the, the, the work you do to somebody else, who would you trust? What if you said something like this? Oh, well, that, that question's easy. I trust Jerry with my life. Tom, not so much. That cat's pretty unpredictable. You just said a lot of really good things about both of them, right? But when the question came down to who you would trust and you said, I trust Jerry with my life, everything else you said about him earlier is multiplied a thousand times over because you trust him with your life. And all of the good things that you said about Tom were nullified because you don't actually trust him. And here's the story. In a bigger and more important way, the same is true with God. Our faith reveals what we believe God to be, what he's like. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him because nothing else actually acknowledges God as God besides our faith. You can say all the good things you want about God. Our culture is willing to do that all the time. They're willing to say, I believe there's a God. I believe He exists. I believe God is strong. I believe He's good. I believe He knows what He's doing. I believe He's my best friend. All kinds of really good things about God. But when the conversation comes down to this, do you trust him with your life too many of us would honestly have to respond not so much he's pretty unpredictable i don't know exactly what he's going to do next and do you realize that's just another way of saying i don't think he's that good i don't think he's that strong i don't think he's that wise i don't think he's that which is just another way of saying i don't really believe god at all. So while there are other reasons why our faith pleases God, there's nothing more important than the fact that our faith is a declaration of praise to the glory of who God is. If we want to be pleasing to God, it begins with faith. Faith pleases God because faith is the declaration that God is God, and we believe everything about him is absolutely true, so we trust him with our lives. Faith pleases God. The second thing we see is this. Faith blesses us. Look at verse again without faith it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and look at this next phrase that he rewards those who seek him Part of what we are called to believe about God is that he rewards or he blesses those who come to him in faith. Really, this is the culmination of the book of Hebrews because Hebrews tells us all kinds of incredible things about Jesus and it's calling us to trust him because it says you can trust Jesus for all of these things. Here's some of the things Hebrews tells us that we are blessed by through Jesus. We are blessed in that he forgives us all of our sin. Is that good news? It is if you're a sinner like me, he forgives all of our sin and he blesses us with forgiveness. It says that he will give you the power to break the the patterns of sin in your own life. The things you can't stop doing when you come to Jesus by faith, he's willing to give you the power to break the patterns of your own sin. It says that Jesus is so good that when you come to him by faith, he gives you direct access to God himself without having to come through an earth earthly priest. It says that he gives you an inheritance forever, a city that cannot be shaken. You get to live eternally in heaven as your home in the presence of God the Father. He blesses people, but Hebrews is reminding us that the blessings of Jesus only come to those who will trust him by faith. That's why chapter 10 verse 39 ends with this summary. We are not those who shrink back Those who who say, I'm not certain. I don't understand it all. Those who say, but I'm afraid of this or that. Or those who say, it isn't all totally clear. I don't have the entire plan. Those who shrink back. Those who see the difficulty ahead, those who experience the hardness of life and they shrink back. He says, we are not those who shrink back because look what happens when you shrink back. You shrink back and are destroyed. Why? Because the blessings of Jesus only come to those who will trust him. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. Listen, guys, when we come to Jesus by faith, And I'm not just talking about the starting place of Christianity, I'm saying the whole life of Christianity is to continue trusting Jesus over and over by faith. When we come to Jesus like that, we are not shrinking back from the blessings of God. We're stepping into all that Jesus has for us. And church, I've got to tell you, I cannot think of a clearer way to describe what I hope to be as an individual, what I pray you will be as an individual, and what I ask God earn. Earnestly to make us as a church. I desperately pray that we will not be those who shrink back for anything whether it's our own fear or the obsession we have with uncertainty for our future or the hardness of our lives, my prayer is that we would be people who believe God, who trust Him and step into everything He has for us in Jesus, it all comes down to faith. And I know some of you are here today and you may be visiting, this may be your first time at a gathering like this, and you might be say, saying, listen, talking about church buildings and construction loans, now, maybe all well and good, but that feels like a world away from where I'm actually living. And I want you to know this message is for you. It's for every single person in this room. This might be your first time ever hearing about Jesus, and you need to know this is for you. All of us have big decisions, all of us have stuff that's spinning out of control in our lives, all of us are facing challenges, all of us are dealing with our own sin. Do you know what a person who who comes to church and acts like they aren't a sinner, do you know what they are? They're a liar. We are all dealing with our own sin and the sin of other people. And the question for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves today, is this, are you willing to trust Jesus? Do you believe He is who he says he is. Do you believe he'll do what he says he'll do? These last few months have been absolutely incredibly busy for our leadership teams. Uh, And and I've got to tell you, there's been a lot of times where I feel like I have met myself coming and going on the same moment. And just a matter of days over the last couple of weeks, I've met with multiple families who've had loved ones admitted to hospice, some whose family members have just passed away, some people who are an upheaval about their jobs, one guy who's leaving his job, another who's left ministry because of a moral failure, another guy whose daughter was in jail, I've spoken at two graduation events and multiple funerals, I've met with more committees than I can quickly recount in this moment, I've had conversations with people who are struggling with everything from depression and doubt to fear and anxiety, and you could say I've sort of seen it all over the last couple of weeks, but you need to know this, in every single situation I have been in, there's one common question for every person that is involved, and it's this. Will I trust Jesus in this? So that's the question for all of you. Will you trust Jesus in this? Will you trust Jesus to save you and make you right with God? Will you trust Jesus to give you power to break the bonds of your sin? Will you trust Jesus to give you the strength to do what God's called you to do? Will you trust Jesus with your present and your past and your future? Will you trust Jesus to meet your deepest needs, to take care of you and those you love? Will you trust Jesus? It all comes down to faith because faith pleases God and faith blesses us. And some of you might say, I want to trust Jesus. What does that actually look like to live a life of faith? And in the time we have left, I just want to show you two more things about faith that tell us what it looks like. Here's pictures of what it looks like to live by faith. Look at verses seven and eight again. Verse seven says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Look at verse eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Here's a common denominator. Faith obeys God in what he's made clear. Just think about the story about Noah really quickly. Noah built an ark. Why did he build an ark? Because God told him to, right? And why did he make it 450 feet long? because God told him to. Why did he make it 75 feet wide? Because God told him to. When God told Noah to build an ark, even though Noah had never seen rain and he was in the middle of the desert and he never knew what a flood was, even though God told him all these things and he didn't know all of the stuff that was going on around him, God gave him a blueprint and said, here's what I want you to build. And verse seven says, it was by faith that Noah stepped out in obedience and did what God had told him to do. Same goes for Abraham. Abraham is right there in his hometown. He doesn't have the whole plan, but God makes something clear. You can't stay home. Abraham, I know you're a millennial, but you got to get out of the house, bro. And so verse eight, he says, Abraham is expressing faith when he steps out. Cause the only, the only directive God had made clear is you can't stay here, bro. Did you hear about the guy that his parents had to sue him to get him out of the house? And then he wouldn't leave until he called the cop to get his Legos. Incredible. (laughs) Seriously. Read that story. Man, I've got ADD. (laughs) Faith looks like obeying God and what he's made clear. So when we say faith pleases God and blesses us, what's that look like? It looks like obeying God and what he's made clear. And church, let me share with you some things that God has made clear in the Bible. He's made it clear that followers of Jesus are to live in purity and fidelity in their marriages that they're to live with integrity in their business dealings, that they're to teach their children about Christ and that children are supposed to honor their parents, that Christ followers are to yield to those in authority over them. He's made it clear that Christ followers are to do everything without complaining. He's made it clear that Christ followers are to do everything without complaining, to be patient. I repeat that on purpose, to be patient and kind, to never gossip, to never slander, to never steal, to never lie, to never cheat. So if you want to know whether you're living by faith, when we say it pleases God and blesses us, and you say, I want to live by faith, maybe a really good question is not, am I living by faith? You may want to say, am I living in obedience? That's a great test of our faith. Do we believe God in a way that will obey him? And let me just tell you a couple of other things God has made clear. They relate to our first initiative that we're in as a church. God has made it clear that every follower of Christ is to live a life that serves other believers in his church, the body. And that serves the community in which they live for the sake of the gospel. God's made it clear that every follower of Jesus is to live on a mission where they live, work, learn, and play as they go through their day in order to influence others for the sake of the gospel. God has made it clear that every Christian is to reflect the character of God who gives by being generous and giving sacrificially for the cause of Jesus. And church, we can talk all we want to talk about what we believe God wants us to do in relationship to our buildings and our facilities facilities and you need to hear me on this I believe that God really is calling us to step into the plan that we're going to hear tonight and I believe God has led these men who have come up with this plan but you need to know what else I believe we are fooling ourselves if we think we are living by faith in relationship to our buildings if we aren't willing to live in obedience to God what God has made clear in serving sharing and giving That's what the first initiative is all about It's not less than a building campaign. It includes one, but it's so much more than a building campaign. And I want to tell you something. We have reason to celebrate already, church, because God is doing this among us. When we talk about trusting God and living by faith that looks like obedience, I want you to know that hundreds of people, hundreds of you in this room from this church are already stepping into active obedient faith in the areas of serving, sharing, and giving. I wrote a few of these things down. Let me give you a snapshot over what God's been doing among you in the last six months that the first initiative began. In relationship to serving, we have identified over a six 150 people who are serving in forms of ministry in our church. And that's celebration enough. But you need to know this. In the last six months over 130 people have stepped into new service roles that were previously not filled or didn't even exist. That is an incredible number in six months' span. At that rate, over the three-year plan of the first initiative, that means 780 people would move into areas of service for the sake of the gospel. Imagine what that would mean for the young family dropping off their children to be cared for. Imagine what that would mean for... For the individual who has physical limitations and needs help from their car to their classroom. Imagine what that would mean for the senior adult who's shut up in their home and needs help cleaning their gutters. Guys, it's awesome to think 130 people in new service positions in just six months. In the two months that we started our first steps class that's, that's geared toward equipping and mobilizing people and serving and sharing, we've had dozens of people go through those classes and those people are already in the process of being connected to service areas in relationship to sharing the gospel right out 100 people have attended the initial training over the last 2 months on how to share their faith in this community and i had a follow up session with a small group on wednesday night i want to share a quick story from that session one of the guys who attended the first class on sharing his faith began to think strategically and pray about how he was being called to influence people where he lives works learns and plays, and and where he plays is at a gym, a local gym, and so he started to identify people in that circle of influence that he could pray for by name, that he could start living intentionally toward. He began to pray for open doors that God would allow him to start gospel conversations, and he did with a guy, and it went super well. As a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, that guy attended our worship service, and he brought someone with him who needs Jesus too, and this week, a group of guys is, is, is as part of that same gym are getting together to start praying and planning to see how the Holy Spirit might stir them to share the love of Jesus Christ within their circles of influence. I want you to know, I could share story after story after story of people but the point is this nearly 100 people of this church family have stepped into serious attempts to share the love of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit with the people in this community who aren't already connected with this church and most aren't even connected with Jesus we had 18 people baptized from those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus and guys that's what faith looks like stepping in to what God has made clear And we have to maintain our focus on that. In the month of August, I want to let you know, our leadership teams plan on sharing new strategic ways the Holy Spirit, I believe, has led us to take further steps into this community to share the love of Jesus. So we wanna have opportunities that all of you may feel led to step into to to serve in our local schools. We've got opportunities for you to be readers or uh, teachers helpers or substitute teachers or even Bible club leaders in our local public schools. We have more opportunities for us to care for families with children who have special needs. We are looking at opportunities to step into supporting foster care families and, and adopting our parents who are in adoption providing guardian items for the court system encouraging more of you even to pray about fostering and adopting yourselves Lord willing by God's grace we're going to have new opportunities for you to step into caring for people who are in nursing home and adult care facilities the Agape Pregnancy Center has been given an awesome opportunity they have been given the opportunity to serve and care for every person who has a child through Cape Canaveral Hospital you know how awesome that is? What would it look like for us to think God-sized and how we capture that opportunity and serve those moms and dads and babies? Guys, God is opening up incredible doors of opportunity for us to love and serve people outside of the walls of this campus into this community. And we need to realize this. We aren't limited by our opportunity. The only thing that will limit us is our faith. Are we willing to believe God with the kind of faith that steps into the blessing of Jesus by obeying what God has made clear. Faith pleases God. Faith blesses us. Faith obeys what God has made clear. And the last thing is this. Faith trusts God with what he hasn't made clear. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance... Asked God for the plan. Is that what what your Bible says? Hey God, what's the plan? What's the plan here, God? I know I'm gonna leave home, that's scary. I'm a millennial. What's the plan? Look at this. Look at at God's plan for Abraham. And he went out not knowing where he went. Not knowing where he went. He was going, not knowing what the plan was. You know what that feels like? It feels like the story of my life. And if you've ever driven with me, you know I live that way. Stepping out. Because there are things, guys, that God just will not make clear. He won't. He won't do it because He doesn't want us to trust a plan, He wants us to trust a person. He wants us to trust Jesus. I got to tell you, I don't know exactly how we are going to care for senior adults in nursing homes. I don't know how we're going to care for families in foster care. I don't know exactly how we're going to serve the kids in our local schools. I don't know exactly what it'll look like to serve those teachers. I don't know exactly what it might look like for us to say, let's serve and care for every first time parent in this community. I don't know what kind of ministry God's already birthing in some of your hearts and minds. The plan of God is not that pastors would program everything, it's that you would follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And right now, I believe God is stirring some of you with a vision in your hearts that you can hardly believe because it's God-sized and God is going to use it to be our next House of Hope or our next Agape Pregnancy Center or our next Merritt Island Christian School. Those things are not entirely clear to me. I don't know the plan and you need to know this. No one but God knows for certain how much money we are going to give over the next three years to these building projects. Every bit of it is just a projection. But faith is not the same as certainty because there are going to be questions that we can't answer. There are going to be parts of the plan that feel incomplete. Abraham had no idea whatsoever where he was going, and God didn't tell him till he got there. All he had was enough light to take the very next step, and God wasn't looking to Abraham to understand the plan or even know anything more than what God was calling him to do next. God was calling Abraham to trust him, even though there was a lot that felt uncertain. And faith trusts God with what he hasn't Made clear, and that's going to be the story of your life, and that's going to be the story of our church. So, church, let's not be the kind of people who shrink back from it, let's not be the kind of people who lean on our own understanding. Let's not be the kind of people who limit God to what we know, to what we understand, to what we have experienced before. Let's be people who have faith because faith pleases God. Faith blesses us. Faith obeys God in what he's made clear and faith trusts God in what he has it. And there's one last thing. I say it every week and I think I need to say it every week for the rest of my life. That's why we need Jesus. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 2. If we're going to live this way, we need Jesus to do something in us that only Jesus can do. If we're going to step out into areas of our life, then Christ has to do a work in all of our hearts. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I can't go into all of the teaching here, but this is an incredible passage It says in verse two, looking to Jesus. Some translations say fixing your eyes on Jesus. And look at the description of who Jesus is. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Who's the founder? Jesus, right? What's that mean? He's the one that gets the thing started. He gets it going. He's the beginner. What's the perfecter mean? It's the guy that finishes it. He completes it. So if we're going to live by faith, then we need Jesus to do something that only Jesus can do for him to begin and complete this life of living by faith. And so the first step of faith is looking to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus, I struggle to live this out. I can't even do faith right unless you work in my heart Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do. I don't, know, I don't know all the decisions that all of you need to make this week. I, I don't know what all of you are facing. I don't, I don't know what it is that God's calling you to do in some ways, but I also gotta tell you, I do know clearly what God is calling you to do today, to trust him, to trust Jesus, to pray that Christ would fill your heart with a certain kind of faith. Let me close with this last story. It's about my kids. You guys care if I share a story about my kids? I don't care, I'm sharing it anyway. Here's the story. My kids used to do this thing called the flying squirrel. I don't know if I've told you about the flying squirrel before, but here's how the kids would do the flying squirrel. They'd be on the playground. They'd be on their swing set. They'd be on a set of stairs. They'd be on this very stage. I think it happened over here off of a rail once. Hey, my kids would do this thing called the flying squirrel. They would see me coming, and they would look. They'd kind of lock in on Dad, and then they would just unannounced to anybody in the room, including Papa Bear, they would just jump like fly flying squirrels at me, just jump wherever they were, stairs, playground equipment, whatever, just like that, flying squirrels. They wouldn't say, hey, dad, I'm coming. They'd just jump. You know why? Because they believed I would catch them. (laughs) They were certain I'd never dropped them before, except that one time, one of them went on the head. But that explains a lot of other stuff. (laughs) They were convinced They were convinced that they were going to have a lot of fun when they left the place that felt safe and jumped out into midair and knew that I was on the other side. I'd done it before. I'd never let them down. They were little flying squirrels. And I got to tell you, that is the Christian life. Christ is calling us wherever we may be perched that feels safe, that feels secure, to not be foolish, to not be stupid, but to see him and fix our eyes on him. And to take the choice, to take the plunge, <laughs> to be little flying squirrels that say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump because I believe Jesus has this. What's that say about him? It says he's strong, it says he's good says, he'll never let me down. Faith pleases God. What's it do for us? It gives us the thrill of journeying with Jesus and experiencing what only Christ can do. It blesses us. It obeys him in all that he's made clear, and it trusts him with everything he hasn't. So let's trust Jesus. Call on Christ. Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief be the founder, be the perfecter of my faith today. Would you bow your heads and enter into a moment of prayer? And I just want to ask, are you trusting Jesus? Has there been a point in time where you realized you were a sinner and you were separated from God and you couldn't make yourself right with God, but you heard the good news that Jesus came to live the life you couldn't live and he died the death you should have died as a payment for your sin. And he was buried and rose again three days later. So that not only would he give his life for you, he could live his life through you. And have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus? Are you trusting Jesus to make you right with God and keep you right with God? If not, I wanna encourage you right there. Would you call on Jesus to save you? Let's begin this journey. I'm trusting you, Jesus. Call on Jesus to save you. And then in your own life as a follower of Christ, what is the place that you're struggling most to trust Jesus with right now? It's going to look different for all of you. But I'm sure you know it. What are you trust struggling to trust Jesus with right now? Maybe it's a point of obedience. Something he's called you to do. Something he's called you to stop. Will you trust him enough to obey? Then, what's the point of your life that's not clear? What's your place of uncertainty? What's your journey through a desert where you don't know where you're going? Would you bring that to Him right now? Ask Him to fill your heart with faith over your your unrepentant spouse, over your wayward child over your job situation that's so uncertain, over your finances, over the grief and loss of your family and your home. It all comes down to faith. Father, I ask that you would stir our hearts to take this great leap called faith Lord, to experience the thrill of jumping into your arms, to experience the thrill of of you not letting us down. And with all the uncertainty that surrounds our lives, God, we are certain that you exist, you are, and you reward and bless those who seek you through faith in Jesus. So Lord, I pray that every man, woman, child in this room, those that are listening over the radio and the internet, would fix their eyes on Jesus, would trust him. Lord, trust him to make them right and keep them right with you. Trust him to be good and strong in every circumstance of their life. Trust him to catch them. Lord, we love you and we need you and we ask that you would help our unbelief that we might live in a way that expresses faith today. We ask it all in Jesus' name.